Welcome everybody to another episode of the Nerd Continuity, where we talk about design, development, and all the other crazy stuff we find online. Today, we're gonna be featuring my interview with Todd Weaver, CEO of Purism. Purism is a hardware and software company based in California that manufactures laptops with their own PureOS Linux distribution, tablets, and it's behind the massively successful Kickstarter campaign to build the first ever ethical smartphone in the world, the Librem 5. Just to give you an overview, the goal of the campaign was $1.5 million, and they ended up raising $2.6 million and some change. The project was funded by almost double of the original goal, which means the public is extremely interested in this. I had the pleasure to meet with Todd at a coffee shop in Vancouver last week, and what it should have been a pretty quick overview of the Librem 13, one of their laptops I'm going to review, it turned into a three hours conversation about ethics in tech, society, philosophy, and human rights in the digital world. I tried to summarize the most important parts into a sort of storytelling episode of my encounter with Todd. Little side note, the audio was recorded at a coffee shop, so the quality is not the best, but it's just for the first half, then it gets better. Apologies for that. So, what is Pure Reason? And what's the purpose of this company? Let's hear it from Todd. I'll give you kind of an overview yeah. as to how, why we do what we do. Yeah, right? that's uh, right. And then that kind of sets the stage to give you kind of a demonstration and then hand over the laptop for you to, you know, the deeper dive awesome. and the, and the yeah. greater review. But really the, um, to just cut straight to the issue yeah. is that big tech corporations, which are all currently US based, uh, have a systemic issue based off their business model. Okay. So a while ago in the US, there's a Supreme Court ruling that actually stated that Corporations, C corporations, have to maximize shareholder value. So what that means is that any given decision that those corporations, if they have, if they have the option to say mine your data for a penny versus do something ethical, right? They must mine your penny, mine your data for the penny, because they have a fiduciary duty, and they can. The board or directors can get sued. The executives can get sued by the shareholders yeah. to say, "Hey, wait, hold on, you didn't do that." And it's not theoretical. This is this has happened, yeah, and yeah, it's precedent. Okay, yeah. so so that same systemic issue of maximizing shareholder value uh, is a root of why we have all of these unethical services today. Wait, what? Was that a Supreme Court ruling? So it doesn't matter if you're the CEO, CTO, or anyone in charge, if you don't maximize your profit as much as possible, even by harvesting and selling users' data, your stakeholders could sue you? That sounds insane, but it's totally true. So how can Purism not follow this behavior, stay profitable, and not fall behind unethical competitors? So what Purism has done is we've actually said, you know, we're not just going to put out like a laptop that can run a GNU OS, yeah. right? Or, uh, you know, or just put out free software foundation endorsed operating system, yeah. right? And we're not just going to put out, right? So we're not trying to solve like the little fluffy issues on top. We actually have gone straight to the systemic issue. And so we as Purism have formed as what's called a social purpose corporation. And what that means is that we've solved the systemic issue 
which is that if given a choice of mining a user's data versus you know making a, a, an ethical product, yeah. we, as our articles of incorporation state, must uh, advance the ethics of digital society. So that decision manifests itself in everyday decisions that we advance with our company. Yeah. So be that with regard to the, so we do really three things as a company. We manufacture hardware, and then we have pure OS and the software that is associated. Yeah. And then we have a third area we're coming out with, which is gonna be services. We're gonna be calling Liberty. Yeah. So these Liberty services, and so you can imagine that that is a similar business model to like Apple, where they manufacture hardware, yeah. the so, you know operating system and software, and the store, yeah. and then they also offer these bundled services for convenience. Yeah. So what we're doing is we're taking the same approach, yeah. but by doing it where we're rooted in ethics, yeah. that that is where we have this bigger movement, which I'm sure you're well aware of, is that you know we kind of have this the large pendulum of of protection and rights, which I call human rights online or digital rights, right? These are ethical values that we have as a society. And the issue is the big tech corporations do not align with those values. And so this pendulum has been swinging away from the big tech corporations approach to things. The problem, why there's not as much adoption, is because there's no convenient alternative. Yeah. It says, oh great, right? So the, the entire like, you know, Cambridge Analytica Facebook issue where it was all like delete Facebook instead of switch to something ethical. Yeah, exactly. It's because the current ethical options are not as convenient or well known. Yeah. And so, uh, and, and, that, and that also goes to all the other areas from a hardware standpoint, 100%. to a operating system standpoint, to a application standpoint, to services. So it's the entire bundle. So what Purism does is we've solved the systemic issue because we're based and rooted in values that we as society have and we've established those. So every decision, every product we produce is going toward improving the society. And so, but we, we are based off of two real words, which is convenience and control. So what we're doing is we're saying, we're stripping away the control from big tech, big government, right? And moving it into the hands of the individual. And we're doing so because we acknowledge that the reason that everybody has given up all of their control is because those products are super convenient. That's right? true. Yeah. yeah. So we have to we have to uh, solve the problem yeah. by making convenient ethical products. So then you can say, oh great, I'm just going to participate in that because yeah. it's ethical. We're willing to give up on our freedom because it's convenient. That's a really hard truth, but I think we're all guilty of that. At this point, we started talking about the purism business model, a model rooted in ethics which won't allow them to exploit users for a bigger profit. And the next question came pretty naturally. Is this a sustainable business model? If everyone else is playing the evil game, would purism be profitable enough to change things and offer valid alternatives for the users? We can clearly have a very successful business model yeah. uh, because of those things that we charge for, right? Uh, historically, can have healthy enough margins to be able to grow. Yeah. Um, the the couple things that and, and so I'm a connoisseur of business models. Okay. And so, but what I've done is I I, I refuse to exploit uh, an individual or harm an individual to get there. Right. And so. One of the problems that we have today is that in the digital world, right, we don't have really any rights. In the physical world, we've had centuries 
of legal precedent that has brought us to where we are today. And we can still make improvements, right? So this from a, you know, from a doing harm to another standpoint, if we just take that as kind of this root of value, right? Um, then what we see in the digital world is these big tech corporations are utilizing the individual as sort of a digital slave of their data, yeah, right? Digital so, currency. Yeah, so enslaving the, the people is doing them harm. And so what we have is in the physical world, we have laws, anti you, know, you can't trespass, you can't steal someone else's data, you can't uh, you know, put a webcam on someone's window and spy into their bedroom, yeah, right? There's laws against that. Yeah. But in the digital world, all of that's fair game. You have Not to only that, band-aid in front of your webcam. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, and, uh, and that just stops one of these many threats, right? So with your cell phone, yeah. right, you're leaking valuable information every millisecond and the laws are not there to protect us. So what we need to do is solve this problem as both, you know, saying what are our values and trying to change regulation, right, to say catch up to where society's at technologically. And let's have it just align. Let's just simply align our physical rights with our digital rights. No trespassing, right? Uh, have some privacy protection. Okay. Then, uh, then what you'd see is you know these big tech corporations have to say, oh, look at that, we can't exploit and enslave our users any longer because the laws have advanced. Yeah. So society wants us to advance there. The issue is that these big tech corporations are going to do everything in their power to have us not advance, and they're doing a great job so far of not having us advance. So what we have is uh, that root problem. Is, doesn't mean that all other business models are cannot sustain. Yeah. Okay. Because it's clear that uh, you can have margin on hardware. Yeah. Right. You can have uh, services that people are willing to pay for, such yeah. as increased storage, phone number, data. Uh, that uh, you know companies can be very large and grow and, and influence change. So what we have is we have a business model that can be rooted in ethics. And then as we grow, then we can um, influence the supply chain, influence everything else that we're involved yeah. with, because we now have the money to be heard. So we can actually have a conversation with Intel that isn't, we're just you know, a couple of people that are believing in digital rights. Yeah. We're actually, no, we're buying your product. Yeah. Uh, we have this much volume. Listen to us now. You must make this change. Or we'll you know, potentially go somewhere else. But in most cases, they, they would just acknowledge that okay, you're a buying customer, okay, we'll listen to what you have to say. And that leverage is actually really important. That makes sense. Even if the growth is slower, you can have a growth. You can gain acquisition power. You can leverage your position to request changes to other manufacturers. It's tough, but it's definitely doable. Everything that Todd is saying sounds kind of natural in the outside world, right? You deserve to know the truth, you deserve to not get spied on, you deserve to be able to keep your private information private. But that's not the case at all in the digital world. At this point, my mind starts to wonder, how in the hell did we allow this wrong behavior to go on so freely? Why so many people are okay with these and don't care about their privacy as far as they can get the latest, fanciest piece of tech? Why society didn't react more loudly to this? Right, so there, this is actually, uh, because you're sort of talking about the philosophical yeah, nature, sorry, yeah, which is fantastic. Well, uh, no, it's actually <laughs> fantastic because this is the stuff that I care about immensely. Yeah. Okay, so there was a, a recent, uh, let's say recent within the last handful of years, 
um, topic about this subject, which is that, you, let's say, like, socially driven companies get less of a return on their, on the invest, for the investor money yeah. than, let's say, Fortune 500, yeah. right, or S&P 500. Yeah. And so, what that shows, right, is, I mean, if you look at it just from that value, you're like, well, if I'm trying to get, maximize my return, yeah. I shouldn't be investing in, let's say, green tech or ethical things or right, things like that. So if you're trying to avoid the socially driven companies yeah. because you're at all after profit maximizing, then the result is that you're advancing potentially things that are you know pollution or because those big corporations are driven not by values, right? So if they're given a choice of, oh, I can you know pollute the ocean or kill off a species, then uh, or I can make a dollar, their fiduciary responsibility is to. Uh, maximize that dollar and so this is where the value aspect is saying well you know what it's better right because you can also roll back the clock far enough to say that uh, you know taking advantage of humans in the age of slavery or where minimum wage is set or not equal pay for women all of those things are uh, where the company can maximize its value yeah. by underpaying women, and that's uh, unethical. Yeah, and is. so what we need to then look at is saying, the same way we are today, is that sure, you know, green tech or things that are socially driven might not maximize the shareholder value, yeah. but wow, they're great for society. Yeah. And so we need to have laws catch up to where those, you know, so basically what we're saying is, we as a digital society want to fund and advance things that are going to help the overall society and not enslave our digital data. So by doing that, it means that we recognize that we probably are not going to make as much money as we could currently enslaving that data. But that, in my opinion, is wrong and we should be allowing for a society that's ethical. So that's where uh, I acknowledge that you know, we, we don't need to be as, you know, the number one largest tech giant. Yeah. Uh, what I'd love to see is that as we continue to grow, and if we end up getting to be the largest tech giant, yeah. then what that means is that all the others have diminished and they've actually had to try and shift their business model or yeah. modify to become ethical because we can't compromise uh, to sure. exploit user data. So, it's a, you know, I feel like it's a, a good sort of philosophical discussion to yeah. say, you know, what, why it is that we're doing what we're doing. Yeah. Because then you realize that, oh, wow, I'm, if I buy a laptop yeah. or a phone from Purism or subscribe to the services, that I'm actually helping society become better and more. Yeah. Just like the Vulcan proverb, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. We should really think about that. So Purism has a sustainable and profitable business model and they have the acquisition power to go to hardware manufacturers and request parts without backdoors or any other sketchy things in it. Because you know, and this shocked me a bit, the default for all these manufacturers is to have a backdoor or mystery code in every product they make. Right, the, the default yeah. for these organizations is profit maximizing. So what they're looking at is how do we minimize our right 
support and our effort and you know and then their case are like well they, they don't have any need to release the code because no one's ever asked for it yeah so they just like oh cool we can just you know we'll just keep it a binary and load it in and actually we can just keep it a binary and have the linux kernel loaded in which yeah. means we don't have to worry about anything so that that's how they look at it as opposed to anything they don't never consider anything that's ethical at yeah. all and so uh it's always just a thought of you know support maintenance development yeah true and so um but then you also get into other areas where it's when it's mystery code then you also don't Right? Were they contracted to have a backdoor in there? Yeah. Uh, what true. was the reason yeah. that they, you know, that they don't have, yeah. that they're not releasing it? And so it just adds a bunch of speculation. And in our case, uh, we take a, a an approach of sure we'll trust you, but let's also verify by looking at the code, right? <laughs> yeah. um, and so, and that's the same thing that carries on with with Purism, right? Yeah. You don't have to trust us, even though we're rooted in yeah. a very very solid foundation of trust. Yeah. But we also say, hey, you can control the keys, and you can control the entire operating system, and evaluate everything. And then third parties can do it. So yeah. you don't individually, if you're not you know, knowledgeable enough to do that, yeah. other groups can do it. And so then they can verify, right? And so it's really powerful. It's a powerful story. Powerful indeed. Coming up. Finally, the audio gets better. Congratulations, you made it through. The conversation now shifts towards the Librem 13, a laptop I will review in the upcoming weeks, and specifically regarding the different steps in order to achieve a pure and ethical computer, starting from the hardware, continuing to the software, and touching upon the work done to allow GTK applications to run on their upcoming phone, the Librem 5. And so, you know, by starting at the hardware level, we allow to manufacture and sort of solve these security issues, yeah. which actually at the, at the heart of all things that are ethical, yeah. it comes down to free software. Yeah. <clears throat> then on top of that, you have to put security. And on top of that, you have to put privacy protection. Yeah. And so we target all three, but the nucleus of that is if you don't respect freedoms, mm -hmm. then you are by definition not allowing for the most secure solution yes. and you are by definition causing a potential issue with regard to privacy <clears throat> okay so the operating system itself is um gnome pure based. os yeah. but it's gnome yeah right and so um and we work heavily with our upstreams be that debian or free software foundation yeah or gnome yeah right so all the developers that we have now are either Debian developers or GNOME developers, or uh, or we've hired them in and they are already part community members in those. Right? Nice. And so we don't, you know, so yes, we have devi deviations, but those deviations are either specific to our hardware, mm -hmm. that then we still push upstream, like within Coreboot, so Coreboot developers, right? So what we're doing is we work with push up to Coreboot, our, you know, our image for the Librem 13 and Librem 15, mm -hmm. Uh, within um, on the Librem 5, we're pushing up to NXP, right? The kernel mods, we're yeah. pushed to the Linux kernel, right? The modifications within GNOME, we're pushing GNOME to say, hey, we're writing an application. Uh, we ended up modifying GNOME for the for the Librem 5. If you yeah. follow along, you know, it's like every week we're coming out with something yeah, new. So we have Fosh that came out, right? Which is a phone shell, yeah. uh, LibHandy, which is basically taking. GNOME and making it adaptive. Yeah. So we can end up, you go you can check out some videos of seeing like the process of taking a typical GNOME app 
and by modifying the classes, yeah. then somebody can just say, cool, I'm going to make my yeah, calendar yeah, yeah. application or an class. Responsive, basically. Yeah. 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 We actually end up using the word um, adaptive, adaptive because yeah. responsive has sort of been taken over by web. Yeah, exactly. Um, but like, you know, let's look at the you know, like clocks application, right? Yeah. So currently, mm -hmm. right, you can't resize it smaller than this window. Yeah. And that doesn't work for a, a phone. For a phone. So in GNOME, that's a hard limitation. Oh. But what we've done is we've modified the classes okay. um, because we have active GNOME developers. Yeah. We also have active Debian developers. And so by saying, you know, hey, we're going to modify GNOME and patch us upstream. So it's now modified in GNOME yeah. and accepted to do adaptive design, which allows for this now to be reduced down to this size. Yeah, exactly. And then I'm we sorry. end up, as you drag these in, the world alarm stop yeah, like yeah. that, that get moved into a sandwich menu. Yeah. And so then you can click the same thing. There, and there's videos of, uh, of Adrian who's advanced this an awful lot on our side. Pure Reason will release the Librem 5, their ethical smartphone, around April of 2019. Lots of companies tried to tap the mobile market and didn't succeed, and one of the most obvious is Microsoft. So my question at that point was, what makes you think that Pure Reason can step into the cluttered smartphone market and chip away customers from iOS and Android? Are they worried by the fact that not even Microsoft, with all the resources and money in the world, was able to do it? A, a couple of things is there, typically in those cases, there isn't like one answer. It wasn't oh, like, sure, right? Yeah. So it wasn't Microsoft failed because they didn't have a bunch of applications. Um, uh, that's one bit of it. Um, which is why we get asked, how, you know, how many applications are you going to have day one? And so our response is, you know, uh, we're going to have more than Apple did when their iPhone came out, right? Yeah, <laughs> so, um, Apple did but, but any application. Yeah, we're we're going to grow, yeah. uh, you know, and we understand how we can grow to get there. The other thing is that, um, so the things that kind of surround where you're at is that uh, we are completely committed yeah. to the platform going forward. Yeah. Whereas Microsoft just decided, you know, they're like, abandoned, right? Yeah. And so, uh, as opposed to like thinking, how can we create a create an ecosystem and a platform and get people involved and excited and around yeah. And so, we aren't in any way like what Microsoft attempted within their mobile space. Yeah. Um, instead, what we're saying is, you know, there's a large enough movement of people that are interested in not Android, not iOS. Mm -hmm. And that movement, backed by an organization that is going to be aligned with their beliefs, yeah. means that that's a, a really unstoppable yes. force. True. Whereas yeah. in the Microsoft world, it is, well, I'm just going to use this other evil over here, Android, because yeah. it's working. Right? There isn't, there isn't like a, a systemic belief change to yeah, say, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to use Microsoft. It, Microsoft literally has to compete head-to-head -head on applications yeah. and usability and, you know, install base and phones and yeah, et cetera. Yeah, that's true. And so, <laughs> uh, so when somebody's looking to buy, mm -hmm. right, the reason why they would buy Windows over, uh, over Android is those reasons you brought up, yeah. right? Application, UX, install base, et cetera. The reason people buy from us is that because we have a reason why yeah, we exactly. exist. And they'd be like, ah, I, be I believe the same thing they do. Which yeah. is digital rights are important. I don't want the duopoly. Yeah. I want you know I want to actually control my own device. Um, you know I I want to have things be easy to use. I would like to share this. I'd like to get it for my kids or my 100%. you know yeah, uncle true. or right. And so those are things where 
uh, we can by making it convenient and still respecting that early on we're talking about making a phone call, yeah. opening up a web browser, yeah. getting a you know me- uh, a text message, message <laughs> uh, you know, and having email. Mm-hmm. That a lot of most that's most use cases. But then you know when someone says, "Hey, I, uh, you know, I'm on." whatever proprietary walled garden application, yeah. uh, then we say, you know, that's not, you can open up a browser if you, you know, require to go do that. Uh, but that browser is going to be running in isolation and can't taint the rest of your system, yeah. which is still ethical and way, way, way better than what you have now. Yeah. So yes, you can still participate in that garbage, but um, the, you know, purism, we're advancing. And another thing we're going to be announcing fairly soon is what we call liberty. And now Liberty is going to be a suite of applications that are communication, storage, that are all on the ethical side. And what we're doing is, in the free software world, the ethical choice is decentralization. Yeah. The problem with decentralization gets to one of the hearts that I care about, which is convenience. Mm -hmm. So decentralization tends to also couple with decentralization of brand. Yeah. And that's a real problem. Mm -hmm. So what we're doing with Liberty is we're bundling all these services together under one domain, yeah. and you can just register for one account, but you get all of these services bundled together, right? Email, mm-hmm. social media, phone calls, cloud-based postings, yeah. sharing, all of it lumped into one account, and then uh, and that can be cent- a centralized brand using decentralized services. A centralized brand using decentralized services. That sounds really interesting. That sounds really intriguing. Todd was really confident and thorough in answering all my questions, probably because he got asked the same questions a thousand times. And at that point, my curiosity spiked. When did he start thinking about purism? How long did it take to reach this point from the day he got the idea? Somewhat surprising is I put that whole plan together in 2014. Okay. Before I started Purism. Yeah. Uh, And the issue was I knew we had to increment to get there. So the plan, which is still, you know, pretty much on target. Yeah. uh, Is we knew we had to start with manufacturing laptops. Mm -hmm. Uh, And initially it was like sourcing parts, you know, doing more sourcing than manufacturing yeah but we manufacture like the motherboard through okay. Intel reference designs and then we can modify additional changes right so we have to start somewhere so that was like starting with the Librem 15 crowdfunding campaign yeah and then we did Librem 13 crowdfunding campaign and then we got to the point where we grew large enough that we could hold inventory because everything was build to order back in yeah, 2015 exactly. and then we now hold inventory so you place an order we can ship from inventory and so we've grown to that point where we can have enough investment cash yeah. uh, to be able to put in inventory. And then we ran our Librem 5, which is the phone, right? Because we're like, we need to push this phone forward. And so that's, you know, from a hardware. And then Pure OS, we had, uh, we started 2015. Okay. And it's been an under active development yeah. for many years. A big push there was to advance with free, aligned with the Free Software Foundation. So yeah. Free Software Foundation has endorsed Pure OS, yeah. which is a gigantic undertaking. I mean, that took three years of, uh, you know, of working with them to understand uh, what was needed within the yeah. operating system to make sure we advanced users' freedoms. Yeah. Meaning, you know, not just like no binaries, but also not recommending non-free services or yeah. software 
because that is like taints the system. So we have a completely pure system, why we call it pure OS. Yeah. And then the next piece on top of that has always been to add what we call a purest standard, which is basically saying it follows you know free software. Yeah. Right. So it respects people. Yeah. It's decentralized, so that you can self-host it. Uses encryption, end-to-end encryption, so that yeah. way you control the keys. Yeah. And that was this purest standard allowed us to then, which we've been working on for a number of years already. And we have sort of, you know, some beta testers, and then we're going to be launching Liberty, which is the brand behind mm-hmm. that, uh, within the, uh, you know, probably the next couple months. And that process uh, was all established in yeah. early 2015. Almost four years after the original plan, Purism now offers ethical and convenient alternatives in terms of hardware and software, and it's ready to release the first ever freedom-based smartphone. Now it's all about competing with other tech giants, which, by the way, they're not unaware of this privacy-focused movement and they're not ignoring the users demanding privacy and security options on their devices. But the problem is, they're not really solving problems. They're just putting a band-aid on a much bigger issue while trying to confuse the audience by misusing terms on purpose. You know, so they just use, what they're doing is they're taking, uh, they're watering down an important word like privacy and security. Yeah. But what they can't ever water down is to say that they're ethical, right? Or that they are freedom respecting. That's true. Or that they care about your liberty. And the reason is because, uh, so while Apple can say, we don't, you know, our business model is to sell hardware, okay? But their business model is not just selling hardware, it's also to you know, lock you into their vendor system. Yeah. It's also to advance you signing up for iCloud yeah. and storing your data and using the app, their app store, not allowing you to install any other yeah. apps from anywhere else. So when it's it's disingenuous for them to say these marketing terms, but they have so many huge supporters and fans of their you know, well-built hardware that they, um, an easy to use operating system that they're, they're just like, yep, great. I'm just going to believe it because it came from their mouth. Um, Apple has a little more credibility on the data, you know, surveillance side, uh, because they, that's not where the bulk of their money comes from. Yeah, that's true. But of course they have areas where they're gathering data. Yeah. Um, and uh, and so the issue is it's a slippery slope. Whereas Google's entire model is to know as much about you as possible. Same with Facebook. So in those cases where when they can say, "Yeah, we use end-to-end encryption, so we don't have visibility to your you know messages," that it's disingenuous because they still have you locked up into this uh, you know eco into their ecosystem, and they know who your friends are, and you still access yeah. uh, the rest of their ecosystem where they can gather up as much yeah. information. They about know as when possible. you use it, when you use it, how long you and use so, it. <laughs> so knowing. When you say, "Oh yeah, we we use encryption, so we yeah. therefore we protect your privacy," is all, is is uh, uh, I don't believe is going to be accepted long term. Yeah. Because the root issue is, are you actually do you care about my values and society's yeah. values? And the answer is no, they don't. But how do they compete with others in terms of marketing? Purism is definitely a well-known company in the open source community, but I wouldn't be surprised if more than half of you listening right now never heard of it. And by the way, if you never heard of Purism, send me a message and let me know. 
So how do you gain attention and compete with the massive marketing budget of all these other evil corporations? The biggest challenge that we're going to face is the marketing budgets of big tech. It's not actually them shifting their business model to be ethical or to care about the values of people. What it is is going to be their marketing budget to say, what they're doing is they're, they're going to, and they have already have, they've watered down the word security. Yeah. They've, they've destroyed the word privacy. Yeah. Uh, Facebook will even come out and say, We're, we respect your privacy. So, you know, so, so when that means that when I say we respect your privacy, they're like, yeah, but really, and you know, I'm just like, no, we actually do it because we're ethical and we care about your values and we're advancing values that we believe are in the physical world that should apply to the digital world. And so, uh, and then the other piece is that you can actually look at our source code to verify that those claims are true. There isn't a single case of Apple of all their claims that you would be able to look at the source code. Um, now, I mean, WebKit for their Safari is clearly free software, mm -hmm. but all the stuff that they proprietary tacked on yeah, afterwards sure. is yeah. unknown. And so there's there's a lot of those cases where you have to have full transparency, 100% mm -hmm. free software, and be rooted in a value chain that people want as society. Mm -hmm. And so then this is where I get is this pendulum, right? We have a, the initial pendulum is the the general trust in society has is with big tech has already been eroding, right? Mm -hmm. So the trust aspect is eroding very, very quickly. When we get to um, the, the issue to follow that is that, yeah, okay, the trust pendulum is like closing in on, you know, the central yeah. right aspect. It hasn't swung all the way to where like the mass majority of people are like, I'm abandoning that. But we're getting there, right? With every new leak that comes out about personal data and most recently the Google Maps offline mode still tracking you. Oh, yeah. Right? Okay. Yeah, it's like <laughs> those types of things are just going to continue. And these are things that are like all known yeah. to the hardcore yeah. audience. But these are things as the zeitgeist becomes aware, yeah. right, that that pendulum's already been already been moving. The issue as to why we don't have mass adoption is because there isn't convenient alternatives. And that's what we're pushing for. Yeah, exactly. So we know that like as the pendulum swings, we're going to be right behind it saying, yeah. Here's some ethical alternatives, and then that's what we'll actually see. But I already know, like the the you know Apple and Facebook and Google and Microsoft and Amazon and you know the big the big big tech groups are going to continue to push uh, their marketing yeah, to diminish the words that are yeah they have a massive budget just for marketing and the, the the majority of the cap that they put on the hardware that they sell yeah. it's just for marketing yeah that's right so so it's in insane. this case it's going to be where an average person mm -hmm. when we come in and we say here use this lever by phone we say why well it respects your privacy We're like yeah but apple told me yesterday that that they respect my privacy so in that case we can't compete on the words that they're going to water down yeah because there are sort of back doors for them to water them down yeah. where they say oh we yes we respect your privacy because we use end-to-end encryption it's like okay but that's literally one percent of the problem <laughs> yeah, uh, you, you know you you're taking advantage of me and 99 percent of the others so what what we need to make people aware of is sort of the value chain and the values and the ethics behind digital rights so you're in control you're in control you can be in control. This was an eye-opening interview for me where I learned so much and I started rethinking about a million different actions I could take to avoid harming myself, my privacy, and the privacy of the people around me. 
And what about you? Do you agree with Todd? Do you care about your data and your privacy or you're one of those people that stand behind the statement, they can't spy on me because I have nothing to hide? Send me a message at info at nerdcontinuity.com or tweet me at the nerdcontinuity account or use the hashtag nerdcontinuitypodcast and we will answer your questions in the next episode. A big, big thank to Todd Weaver for his time. You can check Purism with all their hardware, software and constant updates about their upcoming phone at the web address Purism. That is P-U-R-I dot S-M. Thank you all for listening and I talk to you in the next one.